Hey, everybody, it's the Don Show. It never ends. Those are facts. The Don Show, starring only Don. Good for me. It's the Don Show, starting now. Tweet that. Hey, hey, Don. You usually do not get a lot out of a general manager's press conference, right? Head coaches, you know, you're going to want to hear their passion you're going to want to hear their direction because when a head coach gets hired when the Giants eventually hire the next head coach he's going to know who his general manager is okay they're going to be discussing a lot before the press conference of you know the direction of the franchise the type of coach he is how he's going to want to play football so there's a lot more I think from a head coaching standpoint than a general manager standpoint but there's still a lot you can get he sounds like he's someone that really, really wanted this job, and he did the work to get here. You look at his resume, what he did in Carolina, what he did in Miami, assistant general manager in Buffalo, that he put in the work. You heard John Maris say that in the beginning of the press conference. They had nine candidates for this job, and they felt that his work ethic, his communication skills, his talent evaluation were all what they wanted to bring to the New York Giants organization. And you sense that in the press conference. So that's something you can take from there. Uh, The people that he knew, Bill Parcells, John Fox, uh, he's worked with people that have been with this Giants organization, that won with the Giants organization. So he does not come into this job blind to the NFL with his experience, and he doesn't come in blind to this marketplace and to this team. Because if you're talking to Bill Parcells on a regular basis, and Bill's telling you this is the best job in the NFL, you're paying attention to that. And you're going to come in here with your eyes wide open. A lot of times, general managers and coaches come to the New York market and they think they understand it. They think they know it. And then they find out that they're way in over their head. And I think he understands what's happening right now with the Giants. I think he understands the past about the Giants. And I really believe that's important. Bill Parcells talked about that when he came here as the head coach back in 1983, that even though he had never you know, worked with the Giants before he took over as their defensive coordinator before that, growing up in Oradell, New Jersey, and knowing the marketplace helped him. So him knowing people that worked and work with this organization is going to be so important. Uh, he talked about bringing in the right people. He talked about being in line with his coach, working with his coach, having communication skills with his coach. Uh, the big money quote for me, which I think is the jumping off point for the conversation today around this hiring, is compete today and build for tomorrow, meaning that you're always thinking about both. So what I took that from that is he's not necessarily going to come here, scorched earth, blow it up. Um, one of the questions I would have asked him, and I'm not sure he would have been able to answer it, are you in the business of getting rid of all the Gettleman guys? I always felt that when Joe Douglas took over as the Jets general manager, they wanted to get rid of all the McCagden guys. Um, but it sounds like he wants to evaluate everyone, and if they fit into the criteria that he looks at for players, he's going to bring them back. He acknowledged that they are in cap hell right now. The cap is a problem. So they're going to have to get under the cap. That means letting go of players. But what players? Are they getting rid of players solely because they make too much money? Or would you get rid of a player making less money, but because he just doesn't fit into what you're looking to do? And we discussed before the press conference, you know, Kenny Galladay has three years left on his contract. Is that someone that you feel that you need to bring back because he's got three years left? Is he somebody you feel like you've got to cut because you want to get under the cap? 
does he fit what you want to do? And that's the reason you keep him. Or do you look at the fact that he had almost zero production for this team as being a problem and you're cutting him? He's going to evaluate it all. Um, So we can look all we want at the talent we believe the Giants have. But the question is, does it fit into his vision of what this team is going to be? He did not make any guarantees for the playoffs. Even though he's saying the, the phrase, compete today, build for tomorrow, he did not give you what that's going to look like, how many games that's going to be uh, in 2022, how many years is it going to take for this team to get back into the playoffs, to compete for a division title, to win a championship. He talked about wanting progress. So I guess the only thing that he really guaranteed in this press conference that the Giants will be better this year than they were last year. That's not saying a lot. Giants were one of the worst teams in football in the second half of the season, were the worst team in football. So progress, I guess, is in the eye of the beholder. Just being better than you were last year may not be enough. But he makes no um, makes no statements about when this team is going to go in the playoffs, how many games they're going to win. He said the next coach is going to be a collaborative effort. He does not have carte blanche. He can't say, I want this guy. He's going to be talking to Chris. He's going to be talking to John. He's going to be talking to Steve. There is going to be many people involved, whether that's good or bad. I know a lot of people are down on ownership. They're down on this organization. Um, but I did not get the sense, just as anybody would get the sense, that you're just going to walk in here and do whatever you want to do. You're going to have to clear things by definitely Steve and uh, John. Now the question is, all right, uh, he said there's a lot of good people in that room, but is he going to be forced to keep some of the people in the room? We've had this discussion on the Michael K show. Does Chris Mara have that job because he's a Mara, or does he have a job at that organization because he's a good football guy? What if Joe Shane looks at him and says, I think he's a problem. I want to let him go. Is he going to be able to do that, or is he going to have to keep him because it's John's uh, relative? Uh, th- these are all the things that come into play to where you just don't know. You know, part of a talk show host's job is to read between the lines, not take everything at face value. What's his tone? He carried himself well. He didn't seem nervous. He didn't seem like he was ill-prepared. He seemed like this was a job that he wanted, and he's happy that he got it, and he's ready to go, ready to work. He mentioned that he had taken over in May with Buffalo. Now he's taking over in late January. He's taking over well before the draft, well before the free agency process. He's taking over before the 2021 season is actually even over. We haven't even played championship weekend yet. We haven't crowned a champion yet. And next stage is going to be who the coach is, and we can go forward. But honestly, I came in with a very open mind. I came in not really expecting to be blown away because usually general manager press conferences, you're not blown away. Sometimes I almost feel like you want them to not say very much because they're supposed to be football guys and football savants. They're not supposed to capture a room the way a head coach is supposed to. But I did feel very impressed with the way that he carried himself, and I'm really curious to see how you feel about it. Lots of the Giants are open for the Buffalo Soldier Joe Shane coming in. And cleaning house and getting it done in some way, shape, or form over what has been a putrid decade of football for the New York Giants. I'm Don LaGreca. Take up until 2 o'clock. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Let's get to the busy phones at 1-800-919-3776. Get your reaction to the press conference today. Let's go to Matt in Elmont. You're on ESPN New York. What's up, Matt? Hey, what's going on, Don? First, I want to say a huge fan of yours and everything you do. You're the best. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. 
No problem. So I, I think at times like these, especially in New York, it sort of becomes like silly season. I think a lot of Giants fans are sort of, you know, trying to hold out hope that next season is going to be a lot different. Um, listening to the press conference, I think one thing Joe Shane pretty much confirmed that was that the uh, salary cap was definitely going to be an issue. And I think we all knew that. Um but it's, you know, it, it, I appreciate the transparency for sure. And I like that he said that because it's definitely something that's refreshing compared to the kind of old regime. But as a fan, you kind of have to groan and be like, you know, oh, is it just going to be another bad year of football um, until all of the issues from the old regime has been cleared out? Um, I just wanted to know your thoughts on, uh, you know, how, how to go about that as a fan. Um, like, how should we react to news like that? And, um, you know, should we be hopeful for next season or should we, you know, it's, it's tough to say, like, we got to wait a little bit longer, but um, should we kind of hold out hope, you know, over time? Well, um, thanks a lot. I'll, I'll listen. I appreciate the call, Matt. You know, you compare it to the Jets. We're in a very similar situation when Joe Douglas took over and then eventually Robert Sala as head coach. All right. They wanted to clean house. They fired Mike McCagnin, and when you look over the like, the couple of years since McCagnin was here, pretty much everybody that was on this roster, drafted, signed as a free agent by Mike McCagnin, gone. So it almost seemed like it was a mission statement. We are going to get rid of everything Mike McCagnin brought here, and they did, whether it's just coincidence or whether that was the mission statement. Now, will the Giants do that? Well, I keep going back to the phrase he said in the press conference, compete today build for tomorrow well if you're going to compete today that means you're going to be better than four and 13 and better than one of the worst teams in the nhl offense in the nfl offensively so that compete today build for tomorrow wasn't well we're gonna we're gonna build for tomorrow and that you know just hold your breath for the next couple of years because we're going to get rid of all the gentlemen guys and it's going to take two or three years for us to be able to build a winner that's the direction the Jets went into. But when I see compete today, build for tomorrow, and when you look at some of the players that are under contract on this roster, I think there's enough there to at least you can be competitive. Now, what's competitive? Well, with an extra wild card and an extra game, being alive in December is a reality. Remember, John Mara said at the beginning of 2021 – Although he fell short of guaranteeing the playoffs, he said he wanted meaningful games in December. Well, meaningful games in December means you could be a six or seven win team. As long as you have those six or seven win teams going into December, guess what? That first week of December, you're going to be mathematically alive for a playoff spot. I mean, the Giants weren't eliminated until like the middle of November, even though they were just a four win team. So it really depends on what you believe compete is. But I don't think this is going to be a massive scorched earth, bad for three years rebuild. I'm not saying they're a playoff team. It might be they improve to maybe a six or seven win team, are competitive for most of the season, and then be ready to get going. But a lot of it's going to depend on the play of Daniel Jones. Because the one thing that the Giants have over the Jets this year is is that they've got a veteran quarterback going into his fourth year. Jets had a rookie quarterback, a neophyte, had never played in the NFL before. So that had its own pitfalls. But if they think Daniel Jones has got a shot here and they give him some weapons to show that shot, then you're talking about being competitive. We, we talked about the offensive line. You know, they got Gates coming back. They've got um, Lemieux coming back, possibly. So he can maybe reconstruct this offensive line without having to spend much money, maybe even be able to cut some money. So we'll see if he can live by that statement, compete today, build for tomorrow, 
be able to get under the cap without it costing that many guys on the roster to be competitive. We'll have to wait and see what that looks like. But I do think there's enough there where it doesn't have to be having to look at what we saw this year again. That is not going to be tolerated by the new head coach and by the new general manager where you can't even get a first down, where you can't even score any points. No points in the final two minutes and a half at all during the 17-game schedule. That cannot happen. That's straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. Let's go to Eli in Newark. You're on ESPN New York. What's up, Eli? Hey, John. How you doing, buddy? Good. You know, you know uh, when I heard this uh, gentleman, this gentleman's name mentioned as a candidate, I felt better. And then uh, he got the job. I felt even better, right? Uh, I wasn't expecting to be blown away. He couldn't talk about so many things. Anyway, just got there, uh, evaluate the whole roster and everything, top to bottom and whatnot, you know? Couldn't get into uh, details. Uh, the only thing that concerned me when uh, somebody asked him a question about the coach, and he said it's going to be a collaborative effort. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. That means John Maris, Steve Tish, and John Maris' brother, Chris, Mara and him, they can all have to decide on the coach. I thought the general manager going to pick the coach he wants. But at the same time, I'm not going to freak out about it. I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach and to see what happens. But you do a good job anyway, brother, so thank oh. you. Well, Eli, I appreciate that. But you bring up a really good point because if you remember John Mara's press conference from a couple of weeks ago, he made it sound like the new general manager is going to pick that coach. And now the new general manager says it's going to be a collaborative effort with John, his brother, and Steve Tisch. But I remember when John said it, I kind of rolled my eyes thinking, really? The new general manager is going to be able to come in and pick anybody that he wants. John's not going to have a say. Chris isn't going to have a say. right? Steve Tisch has been sitting there waiting to be more involved in the football operations. He's just going to sit on his hands, bite his tongue, not say anything? I, I, I think one of the most loaded words in sports is autonomy. Well, you have full autonomy as the general manager of this team in this sport. Really, who has full autonomy? Who can do something that the owner of the team is not going to want to do? Especially if it's John Mara, who's got Giants football pumping through his veins. So it was it was fool it was folly to think that the new general manager is going to have the sole say, and the faceoff's probably going to be won by John. Now, I think John is a little bit more open minded. I think he has to be. He's had a miserable 10 years. But I don't think there was ever any thought that the new general manager was going to have full say on anything. He's going to have a, a really good say, and maybe he'll have maybe more of a say than um, Dave Gettleman had before him. But it was you know ridiculous. In any sport, full autonomy. Like the, like the owner of the team isn't going to want to have a say on who his new general manager is. Now, I, I, for one, would want that general manager to win a faceoff. That if John Mara wants you know, Flores and, and he wants Dable, I, I hope the general manager wins because you're supposed to entrust this guy to build your team in the right direction. But that's a good catch by Eli. The collaborative effort, as opposed to what John said about it being the general manager, say we'll see how then that ends up going at the end of the day. David in Livingston, you're on ESPN New York. What's up, David? Hey, man, how you doing? Good, you? I'm good. I just want to say I've been listening to you and Kay for a while. 
And um, I really like listening to you guys. You're great balance. Thank um, you. Question about the co- you're welcome. You're welcome. It's very enjoyable. Um, question about coaches on to what you're just discussing. Who, who do you think is the best fit? Like if it was Flores or Dabble between the two. And the last part is I heard you guys about iced coffee the other day. Yeah. What do you guys do is throw a cup over ice and it's good to go. I was just kind of questioning why you would do it when it's four degrees outside, but I get it. I mean, people love it, so I got to try it. Uh, but I, I've always liked my coffee hot, and if I'm going to use any iced coffee, it's probably going to be uh, when it's 90 degrees outside. Like a day like today, where the high is 12. I don't know if I want to have iced coffee, but then again, if you're drinking it outside, what does it matter? By the way, we were talking about what John Mara said at his press conference a couple of uh, weeks ago. Here is what John said about who will make the decision on the next head coach. He will lead the search for a head coach, but those decisions always are subject to final approval by ownership. You know, in terms of, of Daniel or Saquon or anyone else you want to ask me, that's going to be between the general manager and the head coach. All right, so it's kind of two things there, but it, but it's 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 honest. Of course, the, the, the final approval is going to be from the owner, but they'll work on it. They'll make the decision and they'll go from there. Now, as far as the caller who I would like to be head coach. I'm kind of torn. Dable really is attractive to me, especially since he comes from Buffalo and how well they played offensively. But here's the scary thing. We saw with Brian Billick back in the day when he his Vikings scored 500 points in 1998. He takes over the Ravens and they win with defense. Is you know, and then you and you look at Robert Sala, big defensive guy and his defense didn't play well. And then you realize that you've got so much to do as a head coach. Can you really impart your expertise in an area to that team when you've got so many other things to do? The reason I might lean more towards Flores is just because of the experience. I, I think it's so important with the work that has to be done here with a general manager that has never been a general manager before. He's been around the block. He's worked for several organizations. He's never been a GM. Now he's a GM. Do you really want to have a first-year head coach too? Now, maybe it doesn't matter. He said in the press conference, experience didn't matter, which kind of leads me to believe that he's probably leaning towards Dayball because he doesn't have experience as a head coach. Brian Flores does. Um, But I think experience is really important because there's a lot of heavy lifting to do here, guys. A lot of there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, there's so much damage has been done. You know, when you look over the last ten years, but really since 2017, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, these five years have been as disastrous as any five years this organization has ever seen. It's right up there as one of the some of the worst five years we've seen in New York sports history. To be honest with you, God love a little experience. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. From what I understand, because I'm not up that early in the morning, even with four year old twins, I did not catch what Dave Rothenberg was complaining about earlier today, saying he was not a part of the show. I would have loved him to be part of the show. I just reached out to him. I found out. So I don't know if he was kidding on the square or whether he was really upset. But I would have loved him to be part of the show. Two giant fans talking on the air about their new general manager speculating who the next head coach is going to be, breaking down, dissecting the press conference. I would love to do that. Maybe he can call in, give his two cents, instead of having to wait till tomorrow at 5 o'clock in the morning. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to Ken in Floral Park. You're on ESPN New York. What's up, Ken? 
Hey, Don, love your work, love the show as always. Um, you know, I'm really hoping that the Giants don't get Dable. Not that he can't be a good head coach, but I kind of piggybacking on what you said a little bit ago. They really, they've had three coaches now with no head coaching experience in Charmer, you know, McAdoo, and Judge. And I really believe they have to get Flores. I mean, just because Dable um, was great with Josh Allen, I mean, Josh Allen had a lot more talent than Daniel Jones. It doesn't necessarily mean Daniel Jones is going to be great. But I just, I'm really, really hoping that they go for Flores, who's been in the trenches, and that's. I could just kind of take it back in what you said. Before. Well, there's there's good and bad in both, right? I mean, let, let's really break it down here with Dable, okay? Uh, he, no experience right. as a head coach, and you're right. There's in recent history, Shermer did have some head coaching experience with Cleveland before he came over here. But you're right, McAdoo had none, um, and you go to Joe Judge, none, and, and clearly that showed because if you're not ready for it, it could be a disaster, right? Um, but when you look at Flores, I guess the knock on him is he has done a poor job of his assistants. I mean, he really, when you go back to his time in Miami at you know Chan Gailey, that was a failed experiment. So you take the good and bad in both. Uh, but I think a little experience can, in this particular situation, would do a world of good. Uh, he had a seven-game winning streak in the second half of the season this year. Um, had a, a competitive team after a disastrous start. So that's where I would lean. And and here's what I'll say about Dayball as far as, look what he did with Josh Allen. That's why Pat Shermer was brought here. Look what he did with Case Keenum in Minnesota. And did it work? And then go back to Jim Fossil. If you want to go all the way back to Jim Fossil, he was a quarterback whisperer. He had worked with John Elway. Now, I think Jim Fossil was a successful coach here. Playoffs three of seven years, went to a Super Bowl. You can't really say that he had anything to do with rejuvenating quarterback play. Maybe Kerry Collins, but it wasn't like he took, like, uh, the, the Giants were this uh, unbelievable quarterback play football team when he was here. Got He got a little out of, um, um, uh, in that first year with Danny Cannell when they went 10-5-1 and, and and got to the playoffs in uh, 1997 but be just be careful with these coaches that their quarterback whispers their offensive geniuses and all that you become a head coach it's a completely different animal I I, I tell the story all the time with Brian Billick we, we used to do shows over at Tiffany's over on Route 46 back in the day and it was Tony Saragusa's place and Saragusa was on that 2000 Raven team and I said how did it, how was it working with Brian Billick he was an offensive genius in Minnesota and you went up winning a Super Bowl with 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 almost no offense and all defense how did that happen he's like because a head coach doesn't have time to sit there and work with his level of expertise and the ones that do usually don't have a tremendous amount of success I thought it was the downfall of Rex Ryan you know so focused on defense and then the offense wasn't doing anything and then you have offensive coaches spending so much time on the offense, and then the defense is awful. Be a head coach. That means you have to deal with the media. You got to motivate players. You got to ha- make halftime adjustments. You got to make game time decisions. How about that, guys? How about that? Why isn't that something that's more focused on when hiring a head coach? What kind of in game coach are you? Because when you look at the landscape of the NFL, there's not a lot separating these uh, the, the two teams that play each other on a given Sunday. But it's the decisions that are made during the course of the game that affect whether you win or lose and keep your job. You watch the games every Sunday. And you, do I go for it on fourth down or not? You know What plays do I run? What halftime adjustments are made? Do I squib kick with 13 seconds to go? 
Like those types of decisions are what needs to be made on whether you advance or not. Are you a good in-game coach? I think it's one of the most vital things to have as a head coach, and it's never anything that's brought up when somebody's hired. When to go for two, when to not go for two. All these things, I think, are very vitally important. Not whether the co- uh, a coach telling me they're going to chew the knees off of the opposition or if you punch one of our guys, I'm going to punch two of your guys. All that stuff's great, and it makes for a great press conference. What kind of coach are you going to be? Are you going to completely fold under the pressure? Or are you going to be innovative and think outside the box? To me, the analytic thing, that's another thing that we didn't bring up about this press conference. He seems like he's an analytic guy. Didn't want to completely go all in because when you do that, you scare people off. But the analytics to me are just like a lazy way of taking the pressure off of legit gut decisions that sometimes have to be made during the course of a game that can change everything. And you can fall back afterward and say, well, the analytics tell us that if we squib kick in this situation, we've got a 95% chance of, stop. What's going on in that particular moment? How do your players feel in that particular moment? What's the weather like? What was the play before? What's, where is the momentum? That's the in-game decision, not a decision that you've already made before the game started. How does it feel at that particular moment? What do you do? The analytics may tell you to run for the first down on fourth and one from your own 45-yard line. But in that particular moment, the pass might be the better option because the, the wind just picked up or the defense has shown you in that particular moment they haven't been able to stop the pass. That's why I always got crazy about analytics in football. Things change moment to moment. Who got hurt on the play before? Like, maybe running's the right thing to do. Like maybe passing's the right thing to do in a particular situation. Or maybe it's running the ball in a particular situation. But you know what? I was going to run the football, but you know what? Von Miller had to leave the game the play before, so you know what? Now I'm thinking about exploiting that weakness, and I'm going to have a little bit more time for my quarterback, and now I'm going to pass. So forget all the analytic garbage. Just laziness as far as I'm concerned. Not laziness and not wanting to put in the work. It's laziness of not wanting to live in the moment and take the chance and the fall of having the poor decision. To me, analytics is just a security blanket to say this is what the numbers are telling us. Then let's have a computer be the coach. And I really felt football was going to be the one sport that wasn't going to dive into this. So use all the analytics you want in evaluating players and coming up with game plans. But please, dear God, still love to be room to be able to make in-game decisions. And ultimately, that's going to determine whether you're a good head coach or not. Let's go to Anthony in North Carolina. You're on ESPN New York. What's up, Anthony? Hey, Don, how we doing? Just wanted to say I'm a huge fan of you guys. Um, you know, I listen to you guys on the Michael K. Show every afternoon on the app. And along with the morning show, I love those guys in the morning, too. Yeah, but um, what I wanted to get at is I hear you on the experience with Brian Flores, and, and, and I understand that. And I really wouldn't hate that either as an option for the Giants. But I think if what Dave Rothenberg said this morning rings true and you can bring in Wink Martindale and Rob Ryan to help out with that defense, 
along with Dayball, I think that's a combination that you know anybody would take as a job. You know, that's a great point. Surrounding yourself with experienced people, I think, is always important in, in a situation. And I think that's where, Anthony, quite frankly, I think the Jets failed this year because not only did you have a rookie head coach, you had a rookie offensive coordinator. You need to have somebody there that can be that fatherly figure that can kind of help you out. Because, Anthony, it's a tough job. It's one of the toughest jobs on the planet to be a head coach in the NFL. And you're right. Um, I wouldn't want to hire either of the two guys you said to be head coaches, you know, Martindale or Ryan, but in those particular jobs as coordinators, and, and thank you for the phone call, I think that would be very, very important. And, uh, reading the tea leaves, it sounds to me like it's going to be Dayball. If I had to guess based on today's press conference, I think that's the direction they're going because he really seemed to want to emphasize that experience being a head coach before was not important. But I'd be good with either. But I do think experience is certainly a factor. I wanted to be on after this press conference to talk about Joe Shane being introduced. And we talked about what Shane said about Daniel Jones. Here is the cut from the press conference where he gave his brief evaluation of the Giants quarterback. I've looked at Daniel and... You know, once the new staff gets in here, we're going to get together, offense coordinator, head coach, the entire staff, dive into the film as a group and look at what Daniel does best. And we're going to try to, you know, allow him to put his best foot forward. So, again, I've looked at him. I know there's been, you know, I wasn't here in the past, so I don't exactly know, you know, what he was told to do. But I do know this. I know he's a great kid. He's been in this building the last two days. I've, I've talked to him. There's not anybody in this building that has said a bad word about his work ethic, passion, you know, desire to win. And I think you got to have those traits as a quarterback. And the kid has physical ability. You know, he's got arm strength, he's athletic, he can run. So I'm really getting, I'm really excited to work with Daniel. And again, when the new staff gets in here, we'll build an offense around Daniel to accentuate what he does best. All right. So if you listen to what he says, it sounds like the plan, at least right now, is to work with Daniel Jones as him being the quarterback in 2022, building a team around him. Now, he was not asked specifically about the fifth-year option, which I'm sure he wouldn't have answered, but he wasn't asked about it. So I personally would have Daniel Jones be the quarterback next year and not give him the fifth-year option. I would take advantage of what he does in 2022. And if it ends up being great and it costs me, then fine. At least I know I have my quarterback at the end of the day. I am going to use this fourth year to find out what we really have in Daniel. He has shown signs. We saw it um, briefly when he first started his career. He's um, he's had – this will be his second offensive coordinator, second head coach. I mean, there's a lot of things that have worked against Daniel Jones, an offensive line that was completely depleted. Let's look. Uh, Andrew Thomas, second-year left tackle, missed three games this year. Uh, Shane Lemieux, who I thought had a great 2020 season. He, he got hurt the first weekend against Denver. Didn't play the rest of the season. His starting center, Nick Gates, played just two games. Will Hernandez missed a game because of COVID. Uh, Matt Pert missed two games and, and still is only like a second-year player. I mean, so that offensive line, listen, there was, there was a lot of work that needed to be done. There was a lot of injury there, too. Again, not making excuses. The guys who got fired, the guys that retired, they're gone. They deserve to be gone. But there were also extenuating circumstances, too, as far as why Jones wasn't necessarily the man, and then he gets hurt. And the other thing, too, that was not addressed in the press conference is, what's his physical condition? 
Is he going to be able to recover 100% from that neck injury? Or is that going to be a problem? But at least on the surface of what he said, it sounded like the plan is to have Jones be the quarterback for the Giants next year. So it doesn't look like they're going to go out and get a get a Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. At least that's what it sounded like right now. And they will try to accentuate his skill set, see if this is somebody worth bringing back after the fourth year. Let's go to Chris in Manhattan. You're on ESPN New York. What's up, Chris? Hey, Don. How are you? Good, man. You? Good, man. First of all, I love your rapport with Michael. I listen to you every day. Great stuff. Thank you. I'm a Giants fan for 50 years. So my, my question is, I think we have a very good core on defense. It's healthy. With Peppers and Martinez and Williams and Lorenzo Carter coming on and Ojolari and McKinney. Do you think that we're going to keep this core together or are they going to start making cuts on those guys? Well, here's the interesting thing. The the problem you have is Carter and Peppers are free agents, all right? So you have to make a decision on them. Uh, Bradbury's got a year left. Had an awful year this year, but I thought his first year with the Giants was good. Um, Logan Ryan's got two years left on his contract. I like him. Uh, Blake Martinez, he was hurt last year. He's got another another year left. I'd bring him back. Um, Crowder's got two years left on his contract. Jackson's got two years left. Lawrence has two years left. Williams has two years left. You're right, Chris. They had a bad year, but they were also influenced by Martinez being hurt and Peppers getting hurt and Bradbury underachieving. So with the cap uh, situation that they're in, you know, and it'll be interesting to see whether whether Graham gets a head coaching job. Do they bring him back to be the defensive coordinator? Chris, as as tough as the defense was at times, I think it's the least of their problems, and I think there's an excellent chance this core returns. So do I. I think I hope so. Yeah, I again, it's not a panacea. And Chris, thank you for the phone call. You know, it's easy to talk about. Look at all the injuries right right in that Washington game. They gave up the long touchdown drive. You know, so this defense, even in the, even the year before, when they were, it was the best part of the Giants. They had trouble getting off the field on third down. It's not a perfect defense, but there's a lot less work to do on the defensive side of the ball than the offensive side. And I think Patrick Graham is a good coach. Now he's interviewed for the head coaching job of the Giants. Um, I don't know. He was a hot commodity at the end of last year how much of a hot commodity he is this year. But if he's available to the Giants, I don't think I'd have a problem bringing him back. Now, Joe's got to make his own decision on what he wants to do, and then eventually Dayball might want to bring his own people in. Um, But I I think when you list the Giants' problems, the least amount is on the defensive side of the ball. And there are some nice core players there that are under contract I'd like to see come back. 1-800-919-3776. This should be interesting because Ian in New Jersey is a Dolphin fan, so he can give us firsthand information on Flores and his thoughts of him being the Giants head coach. How are you, man? Hey, man. How you doing? Uh, first time, long time. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm so excited to be on the air with you. Oh, doing listen, great I'm, job I'm, today. I'm happy to have you, man. What's going on? Um, so yeah, I, uh, so yeah, unfortunately for me, a lifelong Dolphins fan. And, uh, frankly, I was shocked when Flores first got fired, but all the reports that have come out, uh, from the Miami beat writers since then have kind of made me less shocked that he was fired. And as, um, my, my family's a longtime Giants fan, so I have a soft spot for the Giants. Um, so I actually, 
for their sake, I think it would be better for the Giants to get Dable instead of uh, Flores. Because it, more than, I know reports have come out with, he had a rift with Tua and things like that. But more than that, he he really had did not handle the offensive side of the ball well. Like, we, we had co-offensive coordinators last year, which has never been done. They were going to get fired. He So he was going to have his fifth offensive coordinator in four years. He had four quarterbacks coaches, three offensive line coaches, and going to bring in new ones this year if he was retained in Miami. And I just – I wonder if he got the job – I would hope for his sake he did self-reflecting, and I wonder if that would increase the chances that the Giants would go after an established quarterback so he could kind of let the offense do its thing and then he could focus on the defense. Now, it's so interesting what you bring up because if it was just a face-off with him and Chris Greer, okay, well, that's going to happen, and then we, we can move on from it. But you do say some interesting things with the quarterback relationship now. That Was that just a problem with Greer? Because Greer obviously was the one that drafted Tua, um, and his assistant coaches have left a lot to be desired, right? And, and he picks those those guys. And you just gave the list. Co-offensive coordinators, the Chan Gailey situation. It just seemed like he did not do a great job surrounding himself with great coordinators. And I do believe it's important for the head coach to bring in his own people. And if he's not bringing in great people, should that reflect poorly on his job? And should that not allow him to get the job? I could see that. I could totally see that. Let's go to Sal in New Jersey. You're on ESPN New York. Hey, Don. What's going on, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Good. Uh, I just wanted to talk about the Giants. And I know you were talking about the defense and how there's some good core pieces there. And, you know, they struggled at times. But I think it's so hard for them to play good defense when the offense is just consistently going three and out, three and out, three and out. And they're basically playing defense the whole game. I mean, these guys got to be tired, you know? I think you saw that in the Philadelphia game, right? They, they hung in there as, as long as they could, and then when they got to the second half and the offense was giving them nothing, you're right. Uh, I Again, I don't want to sit there and excuse everything based on what we saw in the second half because even in the first half, Sal, there were times where the defense was frustrating. That Washington game, they allowed that you know a, a three-drive touchdown for Heineke uh, that put them behind the eight ball. I didn't think they were great in the Denver game. There were moments when this season was still very much alive where you're like, God, how many third and tens are they going to allow the offense to convert? But you're right. They 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 had injuries. It was still clearly by far the best part of the team. And I think there's enough pieces there, Sal, and thank you for the phone call, to be able to, to bring a lot of guys back. As, as I mentioned, there a lot of their cap is in this defense – you know, the money that they ended up giving Leonard Williams for one, uh, Jackson another, but you could work that to your advantage of guys that are locked in. And these are these are players that either have performed well here, who have a history of performing well. I, I don't think anybody's got a problem with Leonard Williams. Maybe he had a problem that the that Gettleman traded for him and didn't wait for him to become available as a free agent, but I think the job he did there was 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 good and, and Sal makes a good point too that when you've got an offense that is completely inept in every way, it's going to reflect poorly on the defense that's got to be out there for way too long. And there might have been a lot of give up, too, um, with uh, Joe Judge in the room. So I I do think it's probably the least of their problems. David, Staten Island, you're on ESPN New York. What's up, David? Hey, Don, how are you? Good, man. 
Oh, man. I, listen, I, I, I like the Giants. I like everything they've done. I just – I really think that the quarterback situation needs to be taken care of ASAP. And I want to take – I wonder what you thought about um, maybe the Giants going up someone like Derek Carr, maybe even Jimmy Garoppolo, just sort of teach Daniel Jones how to do things. Or – take a draft pick and pick another quarterback and go from there. What's your take on that? Well, as far as picking a quarterback in the draft, David, it doesn't sound like there's any needle movers right now. So let's take that off the table. Carr, I like Derek Carr. Is Carr better than Daniel Jones? Absolutely. I don't know what it would take. I would definitely go out and get Carr. Garoppolo's interesting. Now, later on today on the Michael K Show at 5.30, we're going to have Dan Orlovsky on. Um, we can ask him about uh, Garoppolo. He is playing in a championship game, and he did go to a Super Bowl, all right? He's been a game manager for most of his career, but he's had success. And last year, they were decimated by injury. But the, the, the 49ers don't want him, all right? They went on and drafted a quarterback. They do not want him. And according to Steve Young, that Garoppolo's best chance to be successful in the NFL is with Shanahan as his head coach, and Shanahan doesn't want him. So I'm not sure he's the answer for the Giants. Now, if you bring in Dayball, who's an offensive guy, and they feel like there's something there that they can work with, because clearly there's talent, but I'm, I'm not as high on getting him. Carr's interesting because he's still young enough. He can throw for 5,000 yards. He can throw for 30 touchdown passes. He's been in the postseason. I understand your apprehension about Daniel Jones, and I think Daniel Jones being the quarterback this upcoming season does not necessarily mean that the Giants believe he's their franchise quarterback. It just might mean we want another year to evaluate before we realize whether we want to bring him back or not and give them another year to see what the landscape of quarterbacks are going to be. And depending on what kind of season you have next year, uh... Shane wants to be competitive, but if they're not and they're drafting high and there's somebody coming out of the draft, you can maybe go in that direction too. Bringing Jones back for 2022 to me is not saying he's our guy. It's saying we want to see more. And we have seen some, but I can't can't argue with you if you believe that you can't win with Daniel Jones because you haven't. And it's not like we haven't seen enough of a sample to be a little leery about where we're going. But there's been a lot of extenuating circumstances around Daniel Jones' performance as well. Um, That's why I think giving him another shot might be worth it. But I also don't want to turn down a chance to improve a quarterback either. So there's a lot in that room they're going to have to discuss. But it sounds like Jones will be on the roster in 2022. 